It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And it is that time again. It's time for the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for November eleventh, two thousand and ten. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father Greg Gwynn is here. Hello, Dad. Hey, Jacob, great to be with you. Looking forward to our study on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Looking forward to it, and we're looking forward to your participation. You can join in the program any of three ways tonight by giving us a call at 877-381-4567. That is toll-free. You can send us an email to questions at collegeu.com, or you can join in with other listeners in our chat room if you're watching our video feed from our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. To the right of the video uh, window there will be a chat room, and you do not need to log in to chat you can chat just the way you are there. Just type in your comments and others can see them. And we would appreciate if you would uh, give us a, a username. You can edit your nickname in the lower left-hand column uh, or a portion of that window in the chat room so that uh, we can uh, put a name with the comment. If you like, you don't have to use your real name. You can use a nickname. Uh, anything will work there, but it would be a little bit easier for us to keep up with the comments if you would at least sign some name uh, to your comments tonight. We're glad you're listening, and tonight, Dad, is uh, a perfect opportunity for us to take random questions. Yeah, we've got lots of questions to deal with. Uh, Anthony, have we started our audio stream? We have not. And, uh, oh, and we probably have I got, not. I got somebody in the chat room wanting an audio stream. Okay, so we'll... Now that's on the desktop. You can find, uh, if you need help, I'll come over there. Yeah, <laughs> I'll see if I can find All it. All right. Uh, and uh, people can see and hear, they say, on the video feed tonight, so uh, we can uh, hear from you there. Uh, Dad, uh, open forum tonight. Open forum. We do this fairly often anymore, Jacob, because we get so many people sending us questions that they'd like to hear discussed on the virtual Bible study. So every few weeks we compile these for a while, save them up, and then we try to deal with them on a program or deal with some of them anyway. Right. And so we've got uh, several questions tonight. And because they are so many and so varied, we're not going to read them all at once. We're just going to kind of deal with them as we go. Uh, earlier today to our update list, I sent out these questions, and you can uh, be on our update list if you want by sending us an email to questions at collegeu.com, and we'll be glad to add you to our email list. Just say, put me on the list, and we'll do it. But Thursday midday, we send out an, uh, an update about what our discussion is going to be about. Today, we said open forum, listener questions, and I sent out some abbreviated uh, editions of these questions. There's four. There's four general areas, okay. some multiple questions, and we've got more detail that we're going to be discussing. But I, I sort of sent out the gist of each of these questions. The first thing we want to talk about is about the question of singing. And we've got three questions, and we're going to try to deal with them. So they, they sort of overlap, at least the first two sort of overlap. Here's the first one. Right, well, that, that, before we get into those questions, we, can, we have time to take our listeners' questions tonight live. If you've got something you've been studying about and you want to... Stump the chumps tonight. We can do that. That's dangerous. And we'll also tease you. We I mean, No questions really off limits because as we get into the program tonight, our last question is going to be about aliens and UFOs. Yeah. So we've we got a lot of wide-ranging questions right. to deal with. But yep. uh, here we go. On, on, these, uh, on these questions about singing, Anthony, I saw you had that popped up there for a minute. You might put it back up. Here are the questions about singing. Number one, have you discussed singing religious songs with instrumental music or listening to this sort of music outside of worship? Is this a matter of conscience, or are we sinning by doing so? Okay. Are we only worshiping God when we sing in the assemblies? Is it okay to listen as long as we don't sing along these songs? Now, I want to read the second one with that, and we'll leave the third one for, for a moment. But the second one overlaps. It says, is listening to Christian rock or Christian pop music on the radio a violation of Scripture? Not as a way of worship, but as an alternative to the horrid lyrics found in the secular music world. So those are a couple of questions that had come in. Uh, I think they're important questions, and we'd be glad for your feedback. We'd like to hear what you have to say about that. You can send us an email to questions at collegeview.com, or you can get in the chat room. We'll try to keep up with some of the comments in the chat room as we go along. 
Um, let's see here. Um, we're going. We, I don't we, have any emails on that. Oh, yes, you do. You have Keith. Keith. Keith in uh, Hendersonville. Uh, Keith uh, says, uh, "What do we mean by outside of worship?" The real question I, is, I can use, can I use an instrument in my private worship, or is it appropriate to listen to Christian music that uses instruments? Our worship is not limited to the building. When we come together with fellow Christians, we are to present ourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which are, is our reasonable service. Personally, I do not believe God has authorized the uses of, usage of instruments when we are singing to God and teaching and admonishing one another. However, there is near total silence in regard to admonishing and in, in regard to our worship outside of the assembly. I do not believe that it is inappropriate for a Christian to listen to or sing with instruments in their private worship. Okay, so Keith says you cannot do it in public worship, but in private it would be okay. I don't believe the scriptures are silent on that. Well, I, no, I don't think they're silent either, and 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 you'd have to be careful because that argument would suggest that silence authorizes. You know, we we've often pointed out silence does not authorize. But the scriptures aren't silent about it. I think James chapter five verse. Uh, well, uh, but before you do that, my point about silence: okay. the Bible doesn't say not to put peanut butter and jelly on the, on the Lord's supper on the bread in the Lord's supper. It doesn't say not to. But but that that silence where it's not where it doesn't prohibit that silence is not authoritative, sure. and I'm afraid that Keith's argument there might lead some to the conclusion well if the Bible's silent we can do whatever we want and that's not true. Okay. Okay. All right. I think that the Bible isn't silent though, and I think it would uh, be exclusive in its instructions in James chapter five verse thirteen. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. That's uh, to an individual there. I think it's not yeah. a collective. Right. And the instruction is to sing psalms. We can make we'd make the same argument there mm-hmm. that we make in uh, the other passages regarding to our worship that is obviously collective. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. So. Um, Everything the New Testament says about music used as an act of worship toward God, whether collectively or individually, you just mentioned there James 5.16, which would be to an individual, it never mentions using an instrument. So if we were to go to the New Testament and say, concerning music used to worship God, what is the authority? It's for vocal music, singing. There's no authority in the New Testament for any kind of instrumental music in worship of God. Right. So now here to me is the question. When we, okay, so I'm sitting at home, and I'm, and I'm going to, I get out the hymnal, and I sit down at the piano, and I start banging away a song. Why am I doing that? If it's intended as worship, then God told me how he wanted to be worshipped with uh, music. I need to do it the way that I know he'll be pleased. Yeah. He told me to sing. Right. He, he didn't tell me to play an instrument, to worship him. So if it's worship, I should not be using the instrument because I don't, God said to worship him by singing in the New Testament age. If I'm saying, well, it's not worship, I'm just doing that for entertainment. Well, then you got another problem. Right. Here I'm taking sacred things, the name of God and special holy themes, and using them irreligiously, sacrilegiously. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be wrong. So almost either way you go at that, I think the conclusion should be, I'm just going to stay away from it. I'm going to stay away from Let's it. hear from you in the chat room tonight. But let, your, let us know your thoughts there. Leader of Eight says, anytime you're singing to God, it is worship. If you're not in worship when singing about God, then it is using his name in vain. So when it comes to worship, we have to follow the Bible outline. John uh, in Edmond, Oklahoma, says Paul and Silas singing in jail would be an example of two, not a congregation, singing praises of God. This was done outside of the worship services, the example of individual praise through songs. Appreciate uh, those comments. We'd like to hear from you tonight. Time for you to take, uh, we have time for your comments in the chat room, on the phone, or over email tonight. Anthony is uh, behind the controls tonight. Anthony, we got everything running now? Well, I think we may still be missing our audio-only feed. I'm not sure well, exactly take, how to get that going. When we take going. a break, I'll come around there and uh, I'll fix you up. Okay, sounds good. All right, any uh, thoughts about the first question? There, no, I think it's a it's a very good question. Obviously, it's something that we don't want to just you know gloss over and not give thought to. Um, you know, it's not something I personally have given a whole lot of thought to, um, but I do agree, as you said, we do have examples and instruction about what an individual might do outside of the assembly, so I do think those are important. And obviously, um, yeah, as Greg said, the the mode of, of musical worship in the New Testament seems to clearly be 100% uh, vocal. And there, there doesn't, there's no authority for instrumental music that we see. So Okay. 
All right, time to take your comments. Uh, let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Now, now let's go to the second part of that question. Okay. Are we worshiping when we... Are we only worshiping when we sing in the assemblies? No, I think we've covered that. I mean, there's the, we've talked about Paul and Silas singing. James 5.16 says we should sing, not restricted to the assemblies. So that singing would be an act of devotion or worship to God, if that's how we define worship, and I think that's the right definition of worship. Is it okay to listen as long as we don't sing along these songs? And then that overlaps with our second question, is listening to Christian rock or Christian pop music on the radio a violation of Scripture? And, and the questioner goes on to say he's looking for some alternative to the terrible lyrics that are uh, in the secular music world. And I think well, that's exactly know, right. Know, yeah, right. I mean, I think we're all, uh, hopefully everybody is sympathetic with the idea there's a lot of bad stuff in music mm-hmm. to the point that, I mean, there's just effectively nothing you can listen to on the radio. You, you know, I think a lot of us, I, I talked to a lot of Christians who've switched almost exclusively to talk radio if they're listening because the, there's no form of music. Country music is rotten. Uh, rock music is rotten. Uh, yeah, but pop talk, music is rotten. Talk radio sometimes makes me want to drive into a bridge apartment. <laughs> well, so maybe you just don't listen okay. to anything at all. But the the point of it is, I, I'm sympathetic with our questioner that you, you're looking for some alternative to listen to when you're driving down the road on the radio. Uh, and I, I'm certainly sympathetic with the person that says, I just can't listen to that junk on the radio when talking about you know cont- right. you know secular music. Right. What about so-called Christian rock or Christian pop music. Can you listen to that? You know, first of all, I might deal with the fact, you know, somebody might get outraged at the idea that you'd combine the word Christian and rock music or Christian and pop music. But my guess is that if you went way back in time to the, to you know, several centuries ago and they heard the kind of hymns, psalms and hymns that we sing, they would probably sound peculiar to them as well. So it, that's just a style of music or a form of music. I would certainly be against any of that that is irreligious or sacrilegious, and I think some of it borders on that. You know, the, the, and I think you'd have to be careful about that. But I personally, I'm interested in hearing some feedback. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm concerned about the idea of listening to sacred things for sake of entertainment. I just wonder if that's a misuse of sacred terminology, God's name, the Lord Jesus' name, and so forth. Used in a in a uh, just purely an entertainment mode of, of, of uh, aspect. So that, that's my concern. I don't do it because I have misgivings about it. Uh, I, I like the sound of some of that music, but I just can't feel comfortable using it for entertainment's sake. Okay. All right. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And if we can't uh, we can't get authority for it to where we are, are comfortable, we can't do it by faith and anything without faith is a sin, so we uh, would need to be careful about that. But uh, perhaps some of our listeners disagree. I think we do have some listeners in the chat room who may come at it from a different angle. We'd like John, to... John in Oklahoma says, Songs used in worship of God can and should edify as well as praise God. I do not see an issue with listening to an acapella, to acapella songs of worship because it is edifying to me. The songs should be scriptural in message. I would certainly agree with that. Uh, my question, John, and others who are listening is, what are we doing when we listen? Are we doing it for entertainment? Or are we doing it for the edification to be taught uh, and admonished in the course of those songs? All right, I would have. Um, here's how I come to the, the question. Again, we can take some. We'll, we'll take. This may take longer than we had planned. Um, we would oppose a choir because if I'm just sitting and listening, I'm not edifying. Right. They, 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 they require that, edifying me, but I'm not edifying them. Colossians 3.16 and Ephesians 5.18 says, teaching and admonishing one another in Psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. So there's, there's, there's a, a reciprocal action there. So Correct. if we had a choir sitting up front and we're all listening to it, we're not, they may be teaching us, but we're not teaching them. There's no reciprocal action. That is correct. Now, let's take the choir away and let's just put a loudspeaker up there and let's play the a cappella songs. It's, in effect, the same thing, and I would oppose it based upon that uh, that conclusion. Yeah, I've I, I got some misgivings about that, but, uh, uh, John, but John says, do the words of the song edify would be a good question. It, uh, are we edified by the melody? Then it may be entertainment. If we're being edified by the melody, it may be entertainment. If we listen to, to the words, then it may be edification. Just a thought. So John says, you know, maybe different people can approach this in different ways. If some are approaching it for the sake of being entertained, then that 
probably isn't good, but he says if we're approaching it to be edified. Jonathan in Cookville, Tennessee, says well, we're going at this conversation with the assumption that the song is something of a religious nature. What if the song is of a secular nature but not a sinful context? I believe music in that instance would be fine. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, but my question is what, what if we begin adding things, you know, like uh, God's name and praise for Jesus and so forth? Uh, that very much is religious, and a lot of that kind of songs that I've heard, just and I haven't heard a lot of it because I don't feel comfortable listening to a lot of it, but they they certainly engage in praising God and Jesus. Uh, it's more than just saying, you know, to your brother, keep the faith. It's it's actually intended as praise directed at God, and I don't see how that could not be religious in its nature. All right, um, and. Uh I think Anthony is in North Carolina tonight. He says that this is individual an individual conscience issue, and I, I think it is to some extent, Dad. Uh, there are some who have different uh, convictions on this. Yeah, I'm uh, not going to fall out with anybody on that. I, I, I do think you've got to follow your conscience, and if you've got, like me, I've got qualms of conscience about it, so I don't do it. And I think uh, Romans 14.23 tells us that we've got to be that way. You know, right. If we can't do it in good faith and, and if our conscience is not clear in the act, and we got to stay away from that. Right. And uh, so we're coming, we're telling you, we're explaining our position on it, and uh, we'd look, like to hear your uh, view on it as well. And there, there are going to be some personal convictions in uh, in the discussion. So we'd like to hear from you. We're going to take a break, and then when we get back from the break, we hope we'll, I guess we're going to probably continue talking about this for a little while. Got a little bit more to talk about. we've got a little bit sing. more to talk about singing. Then we've got other questions, and hopefully take yours. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. The chat room is busy tonight. Join in there. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Do you remember when churches insisted on Bible authority for everything they did? Can you recall when church members always expected a thus saith the Lord? Remember when the church was well known for its book, chapter, and verse style of teaching and preaching? Are you upset because the church you're attending doesn't approach things this way anymore? Does it concern you that elders and preachers don't seem to care about Bible authority at all? The College View Church is still striving to do everything according to the New Testament pattern. If you're looking for a church like the one you remember from the past, please visit the College View Church of Christ. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the program tonight, uh, taking listener questions in an open forum tonight. That means your question can be included in the program tonight. Send it in in the chat room over email or give us a call tonight. We'd like to hear from you. Maybe you've been studying. You have a question about something you've been studying. Maybe you've talked to someone who's raised a question and sparked some uh, question in your mind. We'd like to hear from you on the program tonight. We're talking about singing uh, now. We've been talking about whether or not uh, we can use uh, instrumental music. and Yeah, our first question was, can you play a piano and sing right. a, a spiritual song right. at home? And and our, I believe, the, for me, I think it's a pretty straightforward conclusion. If it's, if it's worship to God, do it with vocal music only, singing, no instrumental accompaniment. Uh, and so if you're, if you're intending that as an act of worship at home, don't use the instrument. If you're, if you're just entertaining yourself, don't play sacred songs. Okay. You know, so I mean, that, to me, that's a pretty straightforward answer. The, the harder question, the one I'm, I'm not comfortable with it, and I don't, I, I, I've never, I've never preached it or taught it uh, to others. I, I, I think it's we can leave people to come to some conclusion of their own conscience in the matter of listening to so-called Christian rock or Christian pop music. Uh, again, a lot of that has instrumental accompaniment. You know, the the. In the chat room, there was some point about listening to a cappella music, uh, but what about listening to music with instrumental accompaniment? Christian pop, Christian rock. I, I got some, I got some misgivings about that. And then you got to also ask the question: When does it become a religion? You know, when does it become worship? Or because you know there there are certain themes in a country music song that maybe have some spiritual tones to them. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so. Uh, there's, 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 there's some lines it, it, to draw. There's, there's certainly some areas there for personal judgment and conscience, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to allow that for sure. I'm not going to fall out with anybody okay. over that. Okay. we got one more question about singing. We're going to have to move pretty quick here, Jacob. Uh, um, someone, here's the third question. Anthony, I don't know if you can get that up. We uh, Back to questions about singing. The third question that was asked about singing is, 
Someone raised a concern about the song, It Won't Be Very Long, because it states that it won't be very long till Jesus shall descend. This song, this contradicts songs like Watch and Pray that correctly say, We know not the hour when the Lord shall come. For this reason, I will not sing, It Won't Be Very Long, or Jesus is Coming Soon. Most want to allow poetic license, since Jesus could come soon, or use the fact that we will all die soon to justify these songs, but the language of those songs very clearly predicts an imminent return. Your thoughts? Okay, are we contradicting ourselves when we sing It Won't Be Very Long, and then we turn around and sing Watch and Pray, because we don't know the hour in which, which Jesus will come. I think we can sing both songs. I don't have any problem with either one of them. I think we can sing Jesus is coming soon, because he said he was coming soon in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Behold, I come quickly, yeah. uh, and with my and my reward is with me, to give every man according to as his work shall be. It's going to be soon. Jesus said it would be soon. Yeah. And in in ter- in relative terms to eternity, it's soon. Right. I mean, whenever he comes, in in relation to eternity, it's going to be soon. Uh, I don't I don't have any problem with uh, uh, with the idea of poetic license. Our questioner said that he just couldn't stretch poetic license far enough to allow that uh, ex- explanation. I think most of us who sing that, if we're trying to sing with meaning, understand that we're speaking using poetic license that in in, in relation to other things, it won't be long. Jesus is coming soon. We're in the last days. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean but again you'd have to you'd have to have a, a clear conscience in the doing that, and if you can't, then don't. Uh I think that that would go without. Now we do not know the hour when Jesus will come. Second Peter chapter three verse ten. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And the earth also, and the works that are in there, therein shall be burned up. It's going to come as a thief in the night. We don't know the hour he's going to come. Yeah, he said he comes. He will come quickly. Anthony. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, if you if you can't sing those words without in your mind taking them in a very literal way. Then yeah, I wouldn't. Ha- I would encourage that person to not sing that song. I think it does come down to your personal ability to sort of take that figuratively or to apply the verses, Jacob, that you mentioned in the context of that song. Uh, to the credit of the Jesus is coming soon, it does say morning or night or noon. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> to to you know help that songwriter out. But but no, I I mean it, I have actually found myself thinking this exact same thought in some of these songs talking about. Jesus coming soon because it seems in my mind more often than not that well we don't you know it seems to be talking about he's coming tomorrow and but we don't really know that but right. but I also see that you can uh, mesh this with scripture now as well. I do have a problem with the Jesus is coming soon song because and and some uh, hymnals have verses in them that contain uh, a message that sort of like you can look at the things that are going on in the world and realize that. It's about to come. You know, a misapplication of what Jesus taught. Trying to trying to see signs right. of his coming, and there are no yeah, signs right. of his coming. Uh, Jonathan in the chat room says there are many songs that I don't think are that I don't think are scriptural. But I wait a minute. There are many songs that I don't think are unscriptural. But I do know that many Christians have a personal problem with them, and so I avoid them when leading singing. Why start an issue in a congregation over whether or not we can sing a song? I appreciate that, uh, Jonathan. That's a good attitude, Jonathan. I think it's right. You know, I have found through the years that people are very sensitive about the songs in the songbook. And if you offer criticism of a given song that they happen to like, you can stir up a hornet's nest. <laughs> uh, and I don't know why that is. Those songs were written by uninspired yeah. men. Well, let's just assume that John Doe is in the congregation, though, and he has a problem with one of these songs. Uh, why lead the song? He's not going to be edified. Yeah. And uh, let's, let's choose songs that uh, everyone would be edified by. Yeah. In other words, if I knew, no, I don't have a problem with a particular song, Jacob, but I know that you right. do. Right. Then I think the, the all concepts relative to brotherly love would say for me to leave that song alone. Yeah, I don't have yeah. to sing that song. Yeah. Yeah. And that song certainly is not like sacred scripture. It's not written by the Apostle Paul. Fallible human men wrote every book and every song in those books. And if, 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 there, if there's a question in someone's minds about the scripturalness of the, of the way they're worded, I think the very best thing is to leave them alone. But, I mean, you can get people just in a, in a rage, in a hurry, if you start saying, you know, probably shouldn't sing that song, and that happens to be one of the ones they like, and boy, the roof will come down. Yeah. And I don't think that, I, I, I'm telling you, I have no devotion to any song in the songbook. Uh, it's, it's, it was written by a man, uh, and it's, it, it's not the same as the Word of God. And if somebody doesn't want to sing that song, I say, let's don't sing that song. All right. 
877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Uh, should we tear into the next question before the break? We're getting close on time here, but we do need to cover some ground. Are we ready to yeah, let's take this. Look, yeah, uh, well, we could go on talking about singing a lot. Uh, we, we, okay, here we go. We do have one from Chris in Atlanta, Georgia. He says, I don't believe it is a contradiction in comparison with eternity. Jesus' return will be very soon, even if it is 10,000 years from now. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 2. Uh, we should all live like he's returning tomorrow and work like he's never returning. Okay. Good, good comments. Good comments. So thank you, uh, Chris, for those comments. Let, let's get this this next question. It's a shorter one. I think we can handle it pretty quick and maybe get to our break in time. Uh, we had a question about lying, and I think it's a pretty straightforward question. When one lies and asks God for forgiveness, I take it you lie and then later you ask God to forgive you for the lie you told. Is it imperative to go to the person lied to and tell them you lied to be pleasing to God to receive his forgiveness. So here's the scenario. I tell you a lie, Jacob. Mm-hmm. I get feeling bad about it later. I ask God to forgive me. I've, I've lied and I need to be forgiven. Is, in every case, is it imperative that I come to you and say, you know, Jacob, I, what I told you was a lie? Uh, what do you think? Well, uh, let's go with Randy's question answer here. He says, when we sin, we always sin against God, but we also sin against man. Throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, repentance includes restitution whenever possible. So God still forgives us, but to be in complete good standing with God and man, we should apologize or give restitution to anyone harmed. I think that's the point. You know, if if my lie has done harm, then I've got to come. To, I've got to make that right to you. In other words, if I lied to you and it ended up costing you. A thousand dollars, then I've I've harmed you in a real measurable way. But if if I just if if I told a lie that had no impact on you one way or the other, I think that might might make a difference. I'm not sure. I don't I don't think we should hesitate to be truthful to everyone. Uh, I, I guess I'd have to know more about the circumstance of, of a specific lie that had been told. But I think the general rule is, you confess your sins to whoever's been affected by your sins. Okay. Uh, so some sins are just between me and God. I always talk to God. I have talked to God about every sin I commit. Some of my sins involve not only every sin is against God, but some of my sins are against others. And if I've wronged others uh, and sinned against them in the sense that I've wronged them, then I need to make that right. And, and sure. you know, there are a lot of different scenarios you could compose about a lie and its impact on other people. And if, if maybe someone that I wasn't necessarily lying to but overheard it and they knew it was an untruth, I would want to confess that to them and ask for their forgiveness so they knew, know about my lie. Anthony? Yeah, I, I agree. I think if at all possible, there may be some crazy scenario where it might not work out to, to do that. But, you know, you mentioned uh, or the one of the responders mentioned in the Bible that the repentance often involved restitution. You know, you can think about Zacchaeus. Who said you know he was gonna if he had taken from any man he was gonna pay him back uh, sevenfold or if I'm not mistaken and then of course you have the Philippian jailer we talk a lot about his example of repentance how he washed the washed the wounds uh, there so uh, we definitely have example and um, teaching on trying to make right those things that we've done wrong. All right, we have some comments in the chat room on this. Uh, Anthony in North Carolina. Uh, not to be confused with the Anthony behind the uh, controls tonight, says you shouldn't lie in the first place. He references Ephesians 4.25. We'd agree with that. Um, uh, John says in Edmond, Oklahoma, says when you lie to someone, you have sinned against that person as well as God. If that is the case, then you must repent to the person to whom you told the lie, Luke 17.1-14. Um, and uh, then a question about Rahab lying uh, to the spies. Uh, Nick asked that question. What about Rahab lying concerning uh, the spies uh, in Jericho? Yeah, well, you know, that's that's a question that comes up a lot of times. People say, you know, well, what about that? They might use that as an uh, evidence of situation ethics. She's never commended for right. lying. She never, she's commended for her faith in God. She's never commended for telling a lie. Uh, others told lies, and their lies are for Abraham, the great hero of our faith, Abraham of all people. Told lie. He's not commended for his lying. He's commended for his faith, and he was a man of faith, and he did many things in faith. His lies are exposed, but they they're never commended to us as what we ought to do. Right. Okay. Uh, let's take a so, break. In, in in general conclusion, there we was, uh, the, I think most everybody is agreeing in the chat room that we need to make right our wrongs best we can. Okay. Uh, so I we'll just have to leave that at that. Okay. 
Uh, we're going to take a break, and uh, then we'll uh, take this week's bullet point. We'll come back on the other side. Next question is about, well, illegal immigration. Yeah. And that's not the aliens we were talking about, by the way. There are still aliens and UFOs to come in the discussion tonight, so we want you to stay tuned to that. We want to take your questions as well. Send them in to questions at collegeview.com. Uh, you can send them in in the chat room, but it would be better yet, uh, better to send them in the email. And better yet, if you would give us a call, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. Every year, hundreds of new businesses are started right here in our own local community. The Chamber of Commerce gladly reports on these new ventures in an effort to demonstrate that our local economy is healthy and growing. What they don't report quite so openly is that nearly an equal number of businesses close their doors each year. Why do these businesses fail? It's really quite simple. They just do not offer services or sell products that appeal to a sufficient number of customers. In short, they go out of business because the buying public is generally apathetic about their continued existence. Whether we realize it or not, we're giving our vote as to whether these businesses succeed or fail. We do it when we make the choice to patronize a particular business or to trade elsewhere. We wonder if certain church members realize that a similar situation exists in local congregations. Some folks show an apparent apathy toward the continued existence of the church. They may attend occasionally, perhaps even most Sunday mornings. However, it's just too hard for them to make the earlier Bible study, and they never return on Sunday evening. Wednesday night assemblies are absolutely out of the question. They're entirely too busy, too tired, and so forth. What these folks are doing, whether they know it or not, is giving their vote to close the doors. If it was left up to them, no one would assemble and no work would be done. Are you one of these people who are trying to put the church out of business? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the virtual Bible study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program. It has been stated in the chat room that the, the study is flying by tonight, and it is going by quickly, but time to take your comments, time to take your questions. Send them in now or give us a call. We want to hear from you. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about the College U Church of Christ by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Or come and visit with us anytime that you are able to. And uh, as you noted, probably when you came into our website tonight, though, we have a special opportunity for you to come and uh, find out more about the College Church of Christ. Yeah, while we've got a minute here, Jacob, let's talk about our gospel meeting. It starts this Sunday, November the 14th, and runs through the following Friday night, November the 19th. So it's next week. Uh, we're having a gospel meeting here at College View. It is in conjunction with some neighborhood Bible study groups that we have been operating this during this autumn period, and we're kind of leading uh, to a conclusion of our, our efforts to teach here in our own community with a gospel meeting, especially directed toward those who uh, are just learning the basics of the gospel. We've asked preachers from our area to come, different ones uh, on each day of the meeting, and bring some very simple first principle kind of lessons. I want to go through them real quick. On Sunday, Jim Walsh will be preaching about prophecies and their fulfillment concerning the church. Uh, Three lessons. He's going to be here Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon. We're going to have a 2.30 singing and a 3 o'clock service Sunday afternoon. So Jim's going to bring us three lessons on Sunday, Lord willing. Monday, Rick Dugan. Rick Duggan from uh, Murfreesboro is going to be here. He's going to talk about there's one church and how to identify it. Tuesday, Eric Reynolds is going to be with us. Eric's in the chat room tonight. tonight. Eric is going to preach to us about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Wednesday night, Frank Jamerson uh, is going to preach concerning the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. Thursday night, Jeff Smith. There's several fellows named Jeff Smith who preach. This is the Jeff Smith from Athens, Alabama. All right. And he's going to preach about the organization and work of the church. And Friday night, John Gibson, also from Athens, Alabama, is going to talk about the end of the world and final judgment. So uh, I think we've got some really good topics uh, assigned to these preachers, and I know they'll all do a great job. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, if you're within a driving distance of uh, Columbia, please come and join us next week for our gospel meeting. The times of those services? Uh, Sunday, 9.30 and 10.30 in the morning, 2.30 and 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and then Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock. Uh, and we might mention, Jacob, Thursday night, Jeff Smith will be here. He's going to preach about the organization and work of the church. And immediately after the service, we'll rush in here to do the virtual Bible study. And if you visit that night, you can come and sit in with us. We always try to do that during gospel meetings. That's right. So uh, you can uh, come and watch the program recorded live 
uh, next Thursday night at 7 p.m., Lord willing. We look forward to next week. We would appreciate you coming and visiting with us if you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area. We're talking about various listener questions on the program tonight. Open forum, if you will. Any question is fair game. And uh, the next question for us to consider is a question, Dad, about illegal immigration. Yeah, uh, we got a, an email uh, concerning illegal immigration. It's a rather long one, Anthony. There's there's three segments to this question on the slides. If you got it up, um, first of all, he says, "Is being here illegally, crossing the border illegally, something you can repent of and still stay here?" I mean, crossing the border was against the law, of course, but just repent of that sin and then just stay here. Okay, so I'm, I'm sorry I crossed the border. I shouldn't have crossed the border, but I did. Okay, done. Uh, okay. okay. He says, or is it more like being married, remarried, without the right to be such, where it's not just the act of getting married that is a problem, but the fact that one is remaining married or repenting while holding a gun, or here's another scenario, repenting while holding a gun on a bank teller as she fills the bag with money, keeping the money, of course, or genuinely repenting while the speedometer actually says I'm going 130 miles an hour. Wow. So... Let's deal with this first part. I would agree, and and the questioner has effectively answered the question in the question, or at least stated his own view in the question, I think, clearly. And he, it seems clear to me that he thinks that a person here who's here illegally is not just the act of coming across the border illegally. You are illegally in this country, and you can't continue and be and repent of violating civil law. Now, we can establish, uh, uh, and I don't know how necessary it is to do so, but I mean, we can establish that Christians are obligated to obey civil law. Romans 13, uh, verses 1 through 6 or 1 through 7, Correct. clearly teach that we're obligated to obey civil authority. Right. Uh, unless civil authority asks us to violate the will of God. Acts 5.29 says we ought to obey God rather than men. But there's nothing in the law... That, that says that I can ignore, I mean, there's, there's nothing about the law that says it's illegal to cross the border that is in violation with God's law. Right. You don't have to be in the United States to be pleasing to God. And, and I would conclude that, like our questioner, I think, concludes that if you're here illegally, then to repent of being here illegally, you got to get out of here. That's right. Uh, Jonathan in the chat room says, if I steal a car and repent of it, can I keep it? And so that's the same the same argumentation. Eric says it is not; it is illegal to be here. Every day the illegal alien is here. They are breaking the law. Uh, and so, you know, it is a, a common scenario in our country, and uh, certainly we would be sympathetic to those who want to be here. Well, and, uh, uh, John John asked a, a, a scenario. He's, uh, John in Oklahoma says, this is an interesting and good question, especially if one is able to convert an illegal alien. So there, there, I hadn't thought about it that way, but there might be two scenarios. One is, here's a guy, he was a Christian in his foreign country, and he came to the United States illegally, or any country illegally. That'd be one scenario. But what about a fellow, let's say we have a chance to meet somebody here in the United States, teach them the gospel, they are converted, and it comes out in the course of this that they're here illegally. What would we do? You know, I think we have probably a pretty good case study on that in the matter of Onesimus and Philemon. Yeah. Paul converted Onesimus. Oh, Eric has mentioned it in the chat oh, is he? Did okay. you get that yeah, idea? Yeah. From, oh, okay. no. Uh, good. Great minds think along the same track. You've got to face the music. Yeah. Uh, Onesimus had to go back. I mean, no, no slave wanted to go back into a slave condition, but he had to to make it right. I think that would, I think that would pretty well answer the question. Uh, so my conclusion is, yeah, that we would have to tell illegals to go home and, uh, you know, and, and return legally if possible. All right, uh, Bob says, Paul tells Onesimus to return to his slavery even though it was obvi- obviously a hardship. Exactly. Uh, it wasn't necessarily someplace he wanted to be, and uh, so the immigrant uh, doesn't necessarily want to go home, but uh, we would think in order to be compliant with the laws, you would have to. Yeah, it, it, that seems pretty clear to me. I, I, I don't know. Now, I saw an uh, uh, email, uh, or, or in the chat room, rather, uh, Eric says... Uh, uh, let me get back to it, Jay. I, I would encourage someone in that situation to pursue all avenues available to them to try to stay legally, that is. He goes on to clarify. Um, uh, Paul tries to help Ones- uh, Onesimus. We would do the same if possible, yep. uh, so forth. Uh, but here, now, the, the questioner goes on with a little more detail here, Jacob. He, he, he says, 
is it okay for those who are here illegally to, quote, game the system, unquote? By that, I mean that after arriving illegally, they learn from someone. I'm on the next slide there, Anthony, by the way. Okay. Uh, by that, I mean that after arriving illegally, they learn from someone who is in the know that they can simply file paperwork that they know will be denied, but which permits them to stay here legally uh-huh. until such time as it is denied. And then when it's denied, file an appeal so that they can stay here legally while the appeal is in process and so forth and so on. It makes them temporarily legal, right? And it's going to take years as they keep it in limbo, at least for as long as they can continue to afford an attorney. Hopefully some amnesty program will come along and save their bacon before deportation. And since they're here legally, there is no sin. He says, personally, it would seem to me that filing the paperwork and claiming to have a valid status for being here would be lying in the first place, voiding the whole legally here part. But maybe that's just me being cold-hearted and legalistic. In other words, what he's saying is, to to file paperwork uh, um, saying I'm I'm here legally when they know they're not here legally. In other words, the authorities are saying you're not here legally, and you need to go home. We're going to deport you. I'm going to appeal that. Uh, I, I'm going to say, oh, I, I appeal that that ruling. I say I am here legally, and you can't deport me until you prove it. Yeah, and and then then they say okay, and then it goes through, and and, and they deny the appeal, and then you can appeal it again. And they deny the appeal, and you can appeal it again, and as, as the questioner says, as long as you have an attorney, the money to afford an attorney, you can keep that process going indefinitely. But his his point here is, the first time that they came after me. And I argued, I'm here legally, when I knew I was here illegally. Well, that'd be a lie. And I, if you're interested in truly repenting, I don't think you And the whole appeal process stand. would be based upon the first lie yeah. that you were here legally. Okay. All right. Uh, good comments. And uh, I think we got pretty much, uh, we were pretty much in agreement in the chat room tonight. Uh, and so uh, everyone is on board. Okay. Now, uh, we're coming up pretty close on a break here. Yeah. Uh, maybe one we ought to short. take... There's one more, one more comment. Yeah, there. yeah, but maybe we ought to take our last break and then, and then catch the last part of this immigration okay. question. All right. We'll do that, and then we're going to get to the UFO and out-of-this-world aliens, not the illegal... I guess the out-of-this-world aliens are illegal. We're talking so. about real aliens, real illegal okay. aliens, and then we're going to talk about green ones. Green multiple eyes. Yeah, so two different kinds of aliens. All right, so don't go anywhere. We'll talk about that right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Do you remember when no one would have thought twice about getting the church involved in daycare centers, kindergartens, softball leagues, and youth camps? Are you upset when churches spend more time and money on social programs and recreational activities than on spreading the gospel? Are you tired of seeing congregations with their emphasis in entirely the wrong areas? The College View Church is still preaching the same gospel and practicing the same things that you remember from years ago. They're committed to the idea of speaking where the Bible speaks and being silent where the Bible is silent. Check them out. Visit the College View Church of Christ. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program too. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Thank you for being a part of it. As we talk about illegal immigration, uh, can you once you come across the border, can you stay here illegally? We think we have concluded that you cannot. And uh, some more discussion to go about that. Anthony, we got a, a call earlier. Yeah, we really appreciate it. We had a, a listener call in and, and made a good observation, I think, that ties in with this illegal immigration question. And, and we say that not only are, is it true that every day you're in this country illegally, you're, you're breaking the law, but you also have to think about uh, the fact that you're not paying taxes. And, you know, we know uh, that Jesus said that we need to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's was a comment and a very good Good uh, observation that, you know, there's all kinds of other laws that you're there flaunting uh, by uh, being here illegally. Absolutely. All right. right. There's one more. There's a few more questions. Yeah, yeah, there's another part to this question. This is a long question. So here's the last part. This is a whole program. (laughs) Uh, What about coming in legally with a work permit that says you can work at one type of job, for instance, preaching to the Hispanic portion of a congregation or for a specific employer? then taking more jobs or working for another employer due to financial hardship. Is that like eating the bread in the temple because you're starving, or is it something else like sin because you violated your covenant? Has an emergency situation been created as opposed to finding oneself in an emergency situation? I mean, someone has to pay for the second car, cell phone, air conditioning, Internet connection. 
You may prefer instead to use the question, and this is obviously uh, in, intended uh, uh, as, uh, this is cynical, I think, clearly. Yeah. He says, if Jesus had thrown himself off the pinnacle of the temple, would the angels still saved him from the situation he created? He said, that may not be as politically sensitive, but... In other words, I, I guess, and I've not had a lot of experience in these kind of matters, but he, this questioner is apparently dealing with with some situations where maybe you come in on a visa that allows you to do a certain job or work for a specific employer, but it's limited to that. But then you, you argue, well, I just need more money. I've got bills I can't meet. And so you justify taking some jobs that, that you don't have the legal right to take. Yeah. I, I, I got to believe that'd be wrong, too, wouldn't it? I mean, that, that wouldn't be complying with the law. Okay. This all boils down, ultimately, to a question of whether or not we're going to obey civil law or And not. it's not a question of us being insensitive, because we can understand why someone would want to come uh, here and uh, have a better situation for themselves and their family. We can certainly understand that and be sympathetic to that. Uh, what we're just arguing is that you've got to comply with the laws, just like we might want to go to another country. Uh, for some certain reason, we would have to comply with the laws of the land if we were going to do so legally and in a way that would be pleasing to God. Uh, here's an observation from Chris in Atlanta, Georgia, about illegal immigration. Is it uh, being, is being here legally something that you can repent of and still stay here? He says it depends on the circumstance. If you are fleeing for your life and the only safe haven is crossing illegally, then perhaps in some cases you could justifiably stay. Other than that, you should respect the laws of the government as long as they do not violate Scripture, Romans 13, verse 1. I would disagree with that conclusion. Hey, uh, I'm afraid that, that Chris's argument there would leave you wide open to the argument, any argument about situation ethics. Well, okay, it's illegal to steal, but if I'm hungry and, it, and it, you know it's a matter of life or death, it would be legal to steal. Or it would be God wouldn't, wouldn't condemn you for stealing if, it, if, if you, you just had to have it. Right. I don't like that kind of reasoning. I think it's. I, I think that, and we've talked about situation ethics before on the virtual Bible study. And I just think the conclusion is you can't argue that way from the scripture. If you open that door, there's no closing it. There's right. no place to stop with that kind of reasoning. Okay. Uh, Randy uh, in Missouri says, uh, "Is being here illegally something you can repent of? Still stay here?" He said, "I would think not. Repentance includes doing all possible to get out of sinning and continue without the sin." A person who continues to live in the sin has not really repented. Uh, another question would be, is it okay for churches to grant asylum inside their buildings for illegal immigrants? Some churches do that. Uh, I, I think nope. they'd be wrong, too. I don't think so. Uh, Bob uh, uh, says, I think you have, an, uh, he says, to me, you're illegal every day that you're here. It's like being remarried without a right to remarry. You remain remarried every day. Uh, it wasn't just the act of getting married at uh, one point in time, one sin, that is the issue. The fact that the person is here is the issue. If they went back to the country from which they came, the authorities would not pursue them. They supposedly pursue them because they remain here, not because they came here. Do you see the difference? And that doesn't even begin to consider that they are surely working illegally, etc. And so appreciate those comments. Okay. All right. Well, I, I think we've got pretty good agreement uh uh, in the in the chat room as well. Uh, I'm looking at some of the chat. We just haven't kept up completely with that here lately uh, in the chat room. Uh, I do think that that question of the showbread uh, that was brought up in one of the comments here, Jonathan in the chat room says, when David ate the showbread, he sinned by doing that. Jesus said that he did, and I agree. You know, a lot of people want to use that episode of Jesus eating the showbread as proof that under extreme circumstances, Rules and laws of God can be violated, but I agree with Jonathan. Jesus said that that David sinned when he ate the showbread, and he, and that's not what Jesus was not justifying situation ethics in that text. He was he was basically showing the hypocrisy of the Pharisees who criticized Jesus' disciples for having done nothing wrong when they admired and honored King David, although he was he had committed a sin that they never emphasized. Okay. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Would you withdraw from a brother over this is the question Bob asked in the chat room. Would you withdraw from a brother over illegal immigration? 
I, I, I got to say, I, I think you can with, I think you would be led to withdraw from uh, any brother on any sin that they won't repent of. I mean, he's walking disorderly. He's not, uh, he's not interested in doing the right thing. That's right. If, and, and, it, and so if we've got a sin and, and a brother won't repent, then we, we go through a process, but ultimately you lead to that point. Anthony, your thoughts on, on the issue? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's to me, it's very clear cut. I mean, uh, it, I would liken it to the notion of being married without the, you know, the authority to be in that particular marriage. That would require you to get out of that marriage, and to me, it's the same principle. Are you using the Anthony cam tonight? I'm not. I'm okay. having technical difficulties oh, on the Anthony cam, cam. Okay, all but right. that's that's okay. You're the okay. man behind the curtain. <laughs> all right, one more que- one more set of questions about, uh, I guess, the UFO aliens, the, uh, out of this world aliens. Uh, yeah. Got two questions about outer space. All right, we're gonna well, need some help in the chat room. Tonight, yeah, let's so get, get going, get guys. On, we're we're depending on you to answer. Get under this your one. keyboards here. Uh, question one: If life is discovered elsewhere in the universe, would it, it disprove the Bible or serve as a basis to deny the existence of God? If there is life on other planets. Yeah. Well, I I think a lot of the impetus behind the space programs is to disprove the existence of God. I think some have the idea that if they can find life on other planets, it will, for some reason, disprove that God exists. Or at least be a chink. You think that's what's driving it? You you think that's why there's such a uh, determined search for intelligent life from outer space? I mean, we send up satellites. We've got big listening stations. We're trying to get radio communications that we can determine have been broadcast by an intelligent life form. I mean, you think that that's what's behind it? Maybe so. I think so, Anthony. Yeah, and, and along those lines, you know, we're so worried about is there water on Mars and is there water on the moon? And that's all because, well, if if there's water other places, that means that Earth really did just happen by accident. And look, there's probably another planet out there that all came together miraculously or magically. Yeah, rather. but you know, I've I've often wondered about that, Anthony. The argument is, well, if there's water, there could be other, there could be life. Well, maybe there's a form of life that doesn't depend upon water. That their act that that argument is on the assumption is that life has to have water. Maybe there's some kind of life that doesn't require water. I mean, what, what do we think about that? Here's a couple of answers. We got an email. Uh, Randy says no. It would not disprove the Bible. It wouldn't serve as a basis to deny God. God could have created parallel universes or galaxies and not notified us or uh, or the other beings okay. for that matter. We think God has to tell us everything He did. No, He doesn't. Yeah. Uh, am I being heretical to suggest that God might have written another Bible and even might have another Savior for other peoples? Maybe. The Bible says Jesus is God's only Son. Yeah, I, I would kind of go with that, Randy. I, you know, uh, Jesus is God's only begotten Son. Uh, and so I don't think that that he has other sons to provide as Saviors for other people in parallel universes. I, I, don't, I don't think so. Okay, uh, Chris in Atlanta, Georgia says, absolutely not. I see nowhere in the scripture where God said the only intelligent life he created was on earth. Perhaps he created lots of other intelligent life. Perhaps we're the only ones with souls created in his image. Regardless if life exists elsewhere or not, we are very special people in all the vastness of space on this tiny speck in the midst of the universe. God loved us enough to send his son to die for us. The value God places on us boggles my mind. As a sidebar, I've heard it argued that the likelihood of us discovering life or being visited is almost impossible due to the vast distance between galaxies and stars. I do not hold to this theory. Uh, if there is intelligent life far advanced from humans, then they very well could have had the technology to have an advanced understanding of physics to make such a journey. Bottom line is simply we do not know the existence of this type of life or non-existence has no bearing on my salvation. God told humans what he expects of us, and that is the only thing of true importance. And so Anthony says uh, he doesn't know it. He doesn't care, basically. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, uh, that's Chris. Eric in the chat room says no one knows. It, it doesn't disprove the Bible. It doesn't serve as a basis to deny God. Um, he says, Kate, he, says, he goes on, he says, if they find some bacteria somewhere, just as an example, it wouldn't affect my faith or uh, the Bible unless there's some verse uh, I'm not aware of that addresses it. Yeah. Um, if God put John says if God put life on other plants, it doesn't change the truth of the Bible. Uh, there has to be a maker. Anthony uh, says, and nothing can come from nothing. Jesus didn't go to all the planets and die. Sharon says, Eric says God created the heavenly bodies for man for signs and seasons. I think that might be a good input on this. The universe out there is is for our observation. 
to show the power and majesty of God and his creative incredible power is evidenced in the in the expanse of the universe uh could, could there be like like Eric says? Could there be bacterial life on another planet? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm really not torn up about that one way or the other. My inclination is to say no. I I seriously doubt it. But I mean, I wouldn't. I, it would, wouldn't tear me up if if someone could prove that there was. I just don't think that our faith and our our service to God here on planet Earth is affected. But by if that. they find life, Anthony, we're going to hear about it in the news, and it will be used as uh, some type of way to show that we all evolved from uh, some more some slime somewhere. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right about the the main thrust behind all of these things. But um, you know, I was kind of my initial thought would be, well, yeah, I mean, there could be these parallel universes or or what have you. But I do think it's a good point that. Jesus is God's only son. So if there were these other worlds or other beings, they wouldn't be saved through Jesus. Right. So that's I think that that may sort of seal the yeah, deal. Yeah, what is there. it? He, Hebrews chapter uh, 9 says that he uh, uh, he sh- nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest enter into the holy place every year with blood. Uh but it says that he appeared once to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Maybe, maybe Hebrews 9, 25, and 26 might address that. Real quickly, the other question on that was... I've got one for you. Is this the only time God has created a world like this? You know, he's, he's existed for an eternity. Has he done this in the past? I don't know. We don't know. He didn't say. didn't say. Um, we'll never know. Well, we'll, we'll know someday, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, second part of that question from another listener was, I believe we're, be- this one, now this one's kind of out there on the fringe. We, I believe we are being visited by others from planets far away. Some say they are angels and others say they are Satan's minions getting prepared for the final battle or Armageddon. I lean toward the latter, but wonder what you thought about these. Well, a couple of things. One thing, the idea of the final battle of Armageddon is a misunderstanding of the book of Revelation. It, that question or that suggestion smacks of premillennial theory that I don't believe is taught in the in the New Testament. So I don't think there is some great final physical battle here on earth that's going to be fought uh, as the premillennialists often teach that it is. Um, what's the evidence that we're being visited by others from planets far away, I I don't know what that evidence is. It's not, it's not proven. It's not if there is if there have been such visits, if there are legitimate UFOs and aliens coming to planet Earth, the government has kept that from us to the point that although lots of people speculate, nobody could say with certainty that it is so. I I, I don't believe that because to believe it, you'd have to have the evidence, and we don't have the evidence. I don't believe they're angels. I don't believe they're Satan's minions. Now, I believe that there are angels, and I believe Satan has his angels. Right. Uh, right. And I believe they are active in the spiritual realm. Uh-huh. But I don't think they come and visit us here. Now, angels have visited Earth in the past. The Old Testament records some episodes where angels did visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think specifically the case where they came and visited Abraham. Uh, so, I mean, that's not out of the question in times past. But Eric, we, Eric, you and Eric are on the same brainwave tonight. He just mentioned Abraham's visit with the angels. Okay. Uh, but I don't think they're doing that today. I think we're past the time in which God is going to cause that miraculous intervention or supernatural intervention in the affairs of mankind. Lots of comments that we're missing in the chat room tonight, but uh, I did get a chuckle out of ST. Uh, St says, "My son is an aerospace engineer, and I still don't agree with the time and money we've wasted." So, <laughs> so uh, there you go. Okay, uh, we got. Uh, Chris said, "I too do not doubt that we may be visited by other beings, but I do not believe them to be angels and demons." Out of the thousands of UFO sightings, I would venture to guess that 99.5 percent can be explained. With that being said, all it takes is one out of 10,000 to prove the existence of other life. As stated in the previous question, I see nowhere in the scripture where God said Earth is the only place he created life. He didn't. He didn't say that. That's well, true. All right. Anthony, your thoughts? No, I, I, I think it's interesting, but I think the bottom line is it doesn't have a bearing on our our lives and what we need to do to be pleasing to God. I yeah, think. it would just wouldn't, it wouldn't impact us, would it, Anthony? Not at all, but it's it's fun and interesting to talk about, and especially, Jacob, your idea of maybe in the past, 
linearly speaking, maybe God created other uh, planets before ours or whatever. That's interesting. But again, yeah, I don't think it has a bearing. But we couldn't know and we couldn't speak that as truth because it's not revealed to us. So we just have to leave that alone. What about the aluminum foil hat that you wear, Anthony? Any uh, Uh, relation to that? Yeah, what is that thing you got on your ears there tonight? (laughs) No comment. Uh, well, I think we're out of time. We're out of time. Uh, interesting discussion. A lot of good questions. And, and we really appreciate people participating with us on the Virtual Bible Study. And we, we'll make a note, Jacob. Send us your questions. It, no matter what they may be about, we, we will put them in the mix. We won't guarantee we'll come up with any better conclusion than we did about UFOs, but we'll try. Well, uh, we'll take some pretty outrageous questions, as you can see tonight. Um, and uh, we've got more questions, I think, in the queue, and we want to put more in the queue. So if you have anything that you'd like to have discussed on the virtual Bible study, uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Remind our listeners one more time about next week. Gospel meeting here at College View. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, please come and visit with us next week. Sunday, our regular times in the morning, and 2.30 for singing and 3 o'clock for worship in the afternoon. And then next week, 7 o'clock each night. All right. And Thursday night, 8 o'clock, the virtual Bible study rolls along, and you can be a part of it live. Exactly right. All right. Anthony, thanks for manning the controls tonight. Thanks. It was a good study tonight. Appreciate your being here. Dad, thank you for your time. Thank you, Jacob. And thank you for being on the other other end of the line tonight. Uh, We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. If you have any question about anything you've heard on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study or any previous edition of the Virtual Bible Study, we would encourage you to contact us at any time. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for our Gospel meeting and next week this time for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.